everyone. This is the final part, part three of our Wade Chalice interview. Enjoy the show. Once upon a time, now none of this is true, I made this all up, but if you'll get the idea. Once upon a time, in a land far, far away in New England, in 1822, there was this athletic director who heard something about wrestling over in England, because England wrestling came from England and uh, to America. Uh, I got to start a wrestling team, calls the football coach. Yeah, ah, coach, how would, you, how would you and your wife like to earn another $500? You, she can buy that new washing and dryer, you know, with that money. What do I got to do? You're going to be the wrestling coach after football season. I don't, what's wrestling? Ah, you know what wrestling is. You know, out in the backyard, you roll around, you know. I don't know anything about wrestling. Ah, do you want the 500 bucks? Then don't you? I want the $500. Okay, you're the new wrestling coach. Well, I don't know anything about that. You'll do fine. Think of football. Guy has a ball, you're tackling. Uh, we'll call it a double leg. You, so you already know what to do. You know? Yes, yeah. Now he's over wrestling. So he makes everything up. He has no clue what the hell he's doing. There's no videotapes. Yeah. There's no books. There's no other wrestling coaches he can go ask. He's making all this shit up. You know? Okay. So he has 10 kids. So he trains them all year. These 10 kids graduate. They go out and they coach 10 teams, and they have 10 kids each. Now we have 100 kids wrestling. And those 100 kids go out you know, in, in a couple of years, and they have 100 teams, and they have 10 each. And now it's 10,000. You know, eventually we are where we are now nationally with cheap programs all over. But almost all of our techniques today are based off that football coach in 1822 who had no clue what the hell he was doing. Wow. So – then when you talk to a coach and you say, coach, you know, why don't you think about trying it this way? You know, well, no. Okay. Why not? Well, my coach taught me that and his coach taught him that. And they get, they, the more layers they can go back is the stronger they think their position is. And his coach taught him that and his coach taught him that and it's come down and they know what they were talking about, you know, and so on. This is correct. No, it's not. Cause if you coach, if you go back far enough, it was the 1822 guy. But they had no clue what the hell he was doing. Yeah, We've been doing this shit, you know, for the last 150 or 200 years and thinking it's good. You know, we've got to rethink, you know, what we're doing here. It, we can take the basic concept of football tackle and grab both legs and knock a guy down. But how do you get in there? You know, you yeah. know, you know at football, they stiff arm you to keep you away. Well, maybe we can stiff arm and wrestling too. I don't, well, yeah. Uh, so we have, to, we have to evolve and we haven't evolved. We really haven't evolved. And, and I've taken this sport, and when I wrestled, everything I did, I had wonderful gentlemen as coaches in high school. They'd give me the shirt off their back, great people. Had no clue what wrestling was about, though. Wow. They, they didn't have a background. They wrestled at the same high school I went to, so they were coming back and teaching at the same high school, and they, they didn't have any. They didn't know what they were doing. You know, so they'd go, well, do it this way. And I'd do it, and it didn't make sense, and I'd end up on my back, and i go, well, how about if I roll this way? No, you can't do it that way. Why not? You know, why? I didn't want to be smart ass. I just I was interested in finding out why. Just why not? They couldn't answer the why, so it doesn't count that. Ah. You can't give me the why, then I don't have to listen to you. Because you don't know why. So you're making it up from that coach. Yeah. You know. So I say, well, if I dive this way, oh shit, I'm on my back. I can't now that's not work. Um how about I do this? You know, and I would start rolling around and I'd end up on top with this thing and that thing. And I'd go, I'm going to do it this way and that way. And they thought it was wrong, but I ended up on top. So they finally went, okay, fine. Do, do your thing, Wade. You know, but everybody watched me. I was pinning a lot of people and they were going, oh, he's lucky. He's a garbage wrestler. 
garbage. That's garbage. Well, yeah. I'm getting my hand raised, so I'm going to keep on doing garbage. You know, yeah. I, you know, until someone tells me otherwise. Yeah. And um, and for about ten years, you know, I pinned the two-time state champion going for his third state title in Pennsylvania, who was who had been an OW both years as sophomore, junior. Great wrestler. I was fortunate I caught him and. Well, I'm sure I caught him. I've kind of put him there, but yeah. uh, I've been in, you know, and I was, it was the most exciting match voted by the uh, news media that's ever happened in Pennsylvania wrestling, in the history of PA wrestling. You know, my match was considered the most exciting match that they ever watched. Wow. Wow. And uh, second one was more recent with uh, uh, Spencer Lee from Iowa. He got beat in the finals going for his fourth state title. That was really a hell of a match too. But he was, his knees were, he was, he was, he was limping on one leg and walking, not walking. Oh. On the other it's hurt, but that's why Spencer didn't win his fourth title, but he's won three NCAA titles so far. And he's going to win a fourth one this coming year for Iowa. Great athlete, great guy, man. Wow. Uh, but anyhow, I won, you know, and for 10 years, you know, when I was in college, no one, no one really wanted me out of high school. I mean, they did, but they didn't. Oh, Everybody, really? I was a garbage wrestler. Oh, that'll work. And first of all, it won't work at all. Well, he's winning with it, but it's still garbage. Then he wins states. Well, he won states in high school, but you know, that shit will never work in college, you know, and after college, well, shit will work in college, but it won't work internationally. You know, it's like, <laughs> so, you know, after about 10 years, someone said, well, what you do is you're really funky. I went funky, <laughs> funky. I, I like that better than garbage. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, Anyhow, I got short, I shortened it to funk. Okay. So funk wrestling is is a term that's quite prevalent today in wrestling. I made it. I didn't make it up. Oh, I did. I made the word funk up from funky, but I, yeah. I turned it to funk, and now they consider me to be the father of funk wrestling. Oh, wow! The first one to do the flip floppy and dive under and come up on top, and and now every if you would see videos of me wrestling then, and go to what matches today, you'd probably think I was boring. By today's, where they've elevated wrestling to today, right. based on the concepts that I came up with back then. Wow. Um, so I don't let it, I don't let any of my videos get out because then you know <laughs> I'm as great as I they, they think I am. But uh, it was it was like taking today's Corvette, you know, gotcha. mid-engine Corvette, and putting it back in 1970 on the road. What the hell was like, that? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's what you know. But the Corvette today you see on the road, you go, oh, it's just another Corvette, right? Or, you, know, you know, it's just it's another great car, good looking car, but it doesn't stand out more than any other of the, the, the racers that are out there. But you put it back then, and that's what I was. I was a Corvette back then, up today's Corvette, and they were going, "Ooh, what's this?" By comparison, I was so awesome. And uh, yeah. today they're doing a lot of the stuff because I. Well, for the last 50 years, I've been beating into people's head about, you know, good, better, best drill, you know. Yeah. Four inch or two inch, you know, double plus scoring. Do the sixth thing, chop on his head. Now, when you're coaching, coaches sit down and say, oh, what's the most important thing you got to know in, 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 you know, for your kids to learn? What's the first thing he has to learn? Takedowns. If he can't win on his feet, he's not going to win. And you're right, coach. You're right. Uh, and then you teach what? Well, then he escapes. He's got to get off the bottom. Okay. Yeah. And then do you cover reversals? Oh, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But if I can get him to take down and get off the bottom, he's going to win. And he's probably right. That's a probably a good philosophy. What about pinning? Oh, yeah, I want to cover pinning too. Okay, good. And then at the, at the end of the year, have you covered pinning yet? Um, I haven't had time. Why not? 
well, you know, it, it keep on teaching the takedown and they keep on screwing up and I keep on having to go back and fine tuning that. And then I had to get them off the bottom and, and they just never get the takedown the way I want them to get it. They don't quite get off the bottom like I want them. To. So I've been having to work on that all season long. And by the time I get to the end of the year, Oh shit. I haven't talked. I haven't showed a headlock, a cradle or half Nelson at all, you know, cause I just never had the time. Yeah. And that's why you don't see pinning today. Uh, okay. We, we don't teach it. We wow. talk, about it, but we don't teach it. So I go, coach, 1822 football coach. Okay, let's get to let's get in today's wrestling. You teach the very first week of practice, you teach pinning. Period. For a week, two weeks, nothing but pinning. Then you teach the takedown to the pin, the reversal to the pin, the escape to the takedown to the pin. He knows how to pin. Yeah. And now you, you you win dual meets that way because you get a six-point team instead of three-point team for a decision versus a pin. You know, we want to have those pins, but you didn't look at it that way. Right. Now, scoring. Now, Coach, pinning. Did you practice it all this year? Well, yeah, we did a little bit. No, you didn't. You didn't do it once. Yeah, I did. I can show you the dates on my calendar when I taught pinning. No, you taught back points. You didn't teach pinning. What do you mean? Okay. When you're drilling takedowns, how do you drill a takedown? You you drill a takedown by taking the guy down. Once you knock him down, you jump on top. That's a takedown. Two points. Right. You practice takedowns. Pinning, you pancake a guy, put him on his back. You, yeah. Then you get up. You put a half Nelson, you turn him over. Then you get up. Did you pin him? Uh, I don't know. You didn't look. You didn't see. He wasn't pinned. You put him on his back. You got back points. Then you got up. So you've uh, never practiced pinning because you've never pinned the guy. Pinning means both shoulders are down. Yeah. So they don't practice pinning. Interesting. So I have the kids. You have to look down. When you you ask any coach in America, where is you, and or kids, when you have a guy on his back, where should you look? Left? Right? You look down, you look up. Where do you look? And every coach says, look up. Because when you look up, it kind of puts more pressure on your chest. You lift your head up, which puts more pressure on them. And that's the logic of that football coach from 1822. Uh, and, and in a way, that's true. But when you think about it, what the hell's up here? Lights, rafters? <laughs> yes. Have you ever had a referee go, hey, Wade? It's the far shoulder. He's up about that much. If you push it down, I'll slap the mat, okay? Have you ever had a referee help you like that? No. No. No one's going to help you out there except you, stupid money. <laughs> Knock down. Look at his shoulders. See which one's up. You'll see right away it's this one or it's that one. Then you'll yeah. know to put that one down or push this one down. And you keep looking until they both go down. And you go, yeah. Yeah. Now Practice pinning. Now you can get up. Oh, that's time, you can't pin somebody if you never practiced it. Yeah, exactly. And that, that is by definition pinning and, and the control of it. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like duh. Yeah. And someone said, that's garbage wrestling. Huh? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> that, that's not even two plus two. That's one plus one. You're right. I mean, yeah. 
you know, but when you think about it, you go, where the hell have I been? I'm sorry. You know, Wayne, I, I, I never thought of this stuff. Well, yeah, because especially, you know, coach down to coach, I suppose, maybe, you know, their their lineage or education on it. And it just keeps passing down. Like you said, you know, from, was it 1822? Just passed down, passed down, passed down. And they never asked questions like you asked, like, why? Like, why are we doing this? Why? What's the purpose of the setup or the, the takedown to a pin? Or that makes so much sense. It's like just like kind of doing it and regurgitating it back up, so to speak. Yeah, you know, and then, and then you know, kids are starting to pin. You know, they just, but you know, to get coaches, you know, they've been so ingrained to do it the way they've always been doing it to get them to change. They would rather argue with you and do it their own way and lose. They would rather lose than to change. That's so wild. The pain of change is greater than the than the defeat it is painful. I don't understand the mentality. Yeah, I mean, it's guiding their way of it. It's so bizarre. Last question in closing here. You know, I mean, you have the record for the most pins. You're in the Guinness Book of World Records. So many things like that. And we're also talking to a guy who invented this dreaded spladel. Uh, <laughs> I want to see, you know, specifically like going into spladel, for example. How are you, I don't know, creating that or inventing that in regards to pinning concepts towards spladel? I'm glad you ask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Countering a single leg. A guy's yes. in on my leg. Well, you can't let him in on his leg. God, he's going to take you down. Why? I mean, you know, you know, because you fall over. I mean, why? I was looking at. I've got two appendages tied up of yours. And you only have one appendage tied up of mine. Right. Yeah. You got both your hands. And do you use your hands more than or less than your legs in wrestling? Your arms more. So I'm, I'm going to trade off my bishop for your queen. Oh, okay. I'll trade, your, my, I'll trade a bishop any day for a queen. You know, and you're in on my legs. No, you don't have my legs. I have your arms. And you've committed and you won't let go. You're like a crab. Or lightning is going to strike before you let go. So I got your hands. So I, that's what I first of all started thinking on. And then, I, of course, I would I, I, I practice bouncing around, you know, with a guy pick my leg up and bounce and catch my balance. And uh, another little, little secret here. Yeah. Why we stay upright, especially when we're older, getting older. Okay, when you look around, you know that this tree grows up. You know this wall is like this. You know the things around you. So when you look over, you can see at nighttime, you have a more of it as older senior citizens fall over more at nighttime than they do during the day because they can't see visually things that are upright. And when you start to tip a little bit, you see you catch yourself subliminally, subconsciously, to be in upright areas, to see things that are upright. When you are the guy's in a single, if you look down, you don't see anything that's upright. So you don't know that you're losing your balance necessarily until it's too late. Wow. When when you've got your leg up in the air, you know, you should be able to wrestle by feel, but you, you kind of look out away from you and you're you're not looking at that door over there or the wall over here or that tree over here if you're outdoor. But you 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 get your sense of equilibrium on whether you're upright or falling based on what's around you. You know, at nighttime in the complete darkness and you're walking around, you're much more likely to fall over. Yeah. Uh, 
So you look out versus look down. Uh, but when you have your hands, I, the guy picked a single leg up. We're going back to the splatel. And I thought, okay, well, he's got my leg. Oh, shit. He's got a single on me. And the coach says, oh, he gets a single. You're in trouble. No, why do you, why do you say I'm in trouble? You know, by saying that, you, you scare your, t- your wrestlers into believing they're, oh, my God, I'm in trouble. Oh my. And now they start to panic that you're in trouble. And then they do stupid things or they fall over because I'm in trouble. Instead of going, you know, what do you got? My leg? No, you don't. I got your arms. You know, it's a mindset. So I'm up hopping on one leg. I push his head down a little bit. And I go, what would happen if I reached over and grabbed, his other, grabbed his, one of his legs and picked it up? Now I have a single leg on top of his his single leg that he has on me. <laughs> yeah, wonder what wonder what that would be like. <laughs> but now he's in here on my single, and I'm up here with my head. So when I lean over and grab his leg, I'm on top of him. So my weight's pushing down on him while I'm pulling his leg up. I think, well, probably if he falls, boom, I'm still on top of him. I'll get the takedown. You know, so. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but man, what the hell, I'll give it a try. So I reached over this way and grabbed the leg, and then I fell over. I went, no, that didn't work because I'm, I'm halfway upside down, and I'm losing my equilibrium. So I took my hands the other way and grabbed his leg. I went, oh, this works. So I, you know, it's like putting a switch, you know, going a switch motion on the leg. You're going between his legs and lock your hands. And they picked his leg up, and we were both hopping around you know, in practice, and then he finally fell over because I had weight on top of him. He was hopping on one leg. I'm hopping on one leg, but I got weight on him. So he fell over. I went, yeah, this works. So I'm countering a single leg with a single leg. <laughs> Just to be different, why not give it a shot? And I, I'm, a, you know, I'm the taller. I'm a you know, flexibility reach, reach, and leverage. So I have that skill. So I was able to – the short arm guy has a harder time getting in on splatals. So then I picked it up and I started hopping and I lost my balance and fell backwards and my leg got hooked into his leg as I fell backwards. And next thing you know, he's, you know, he's in a splatle. Now I have no idea what this is or how I got there. I went, what the F is this? You know? Yeah. You know, and I'm in, I'm in this position. He's, you know, he's got his head coming out. His, he looks like yeah. he's having <laughs> sex with himself or something. Yeah. I don't well, this is interesting. I wonder how I get. Wonder how I can get back into this one. So I started playing with it, and I came up with a splay a lot of that. And uh, people, were, you know, and a friend of mine was watching. He says, "What is that?" Wait, I said, "I don't damn if I know." But it, it's kind of like it's half of a split scissors, like a banana split, split scissors, and it's yeah. half of it's half of a cradle. He says, "Well," and then it's a. Then he said, "Was well, that's a splay to isn't it?" Yeah. He said, yeah, SPL from split scissors and the ADLE from split <laughs> cradle, and we'll put them together. We'll call it a splano. Yeah. I went, works for me. Yeah. And then I, then I started figuring out how to do it out of a high crotch, out of a double leg, how to do it when you're riding a guy from the various positions. And it's become very popular now. Oh, yeah. And, and you get caught in it. You know, you're there for three or four months unless the referee slaps on that. You don't go you're, yeah, you're done. But it, you know, it, it's we did. I made it up in the late '60s, and then oh, wow. it became popular for me in the '70s, and uh, then in the '80s, some, everybody knew it was garbage wrestling. No one wanted to do it. Only shallows could do it. And then I, I started showing people bullshit. If you have reach, you can do this. And I started showing kids, and then it started, you know, going out into the, into the wrestling community. Uh, some people called it a shallows cradle, and I said, no, 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 don't. I don't want my name involved. 
because in wrestling, the, the coaches are so, I'm in charge. I'm not going to give anybody credit. I want credit for everything. Yeah. I have. You, of course, you don't see that in, in the arts at all, martial arts. You don't right. see that. There's no coach like that over there. Right. It's only in wrestling. Yeah. And anything that you put your name on, if Gable would say, this is the Gable role, or this is a, you know, a Burroughs double, you know, people won't teach it because by teaching it and calling a Burroughs double, you're giving Jordan Burroughs credit for this double leg. Oh, I and see. Yeah. Coach wants to get credit for teaching it himself and not that he took it or borrowed it or learned it from Burroughs and it's called a Burroughs double, you know? And so I knew if you call it a chalice cradle, people wouldn't teach it anymore because that by teaching it, you would be giving Wade credit for it. And that would be somehow in their mind credit that they're not going to get for teaching. Oh, those, wow. Yeah. Uh, something else. That's why there's so many wrestling moves that are the same that have five different names, depending upon whether you're in the Midwest, West Coast, Southeastern, the United States, they have different names for different things, you know, just, you know, because they didn't want anybody else to know that they they learned it from somebody else. They wanted to let people know that they thought it up themselves. A little rebranding, you know. <laughs> so, you know, and I figured sooner or later, everyone's going to know Splato's weights, yeah. you know. So for 10, 15 years, I didn't say word one about it. Other than teach it, wow, you know, really? And, and then uh, once it got to be known nationally, then I came out and said, "Oh, by the way, you know, I yeah. made this up and I named it." Yeah. And Rick Sanders it was a great wrestler in America. Uh, he died in '72 right after the Olympics. He was hitchhiking in Europe after the Munich Olympics and got oh. had a crash and died two days after the Olympics. Uh, but oh, he was a tremendous young wrestler. He was older than I was. I met him at Russ Hawks wrestling camp in Pennsylvania when I was in high school. And I taught him the splato when I was a junior in high school. And uh, he was the first one that made it work in international comp national competition. Oh, national really? He did it in the semifinals of the Olympics, pin the kid. And it was in the finals then. Uh, but so a lot of people say that Rick, you know, did the splato. I said, no, I gave him the splato. Yeah. We, we used to play, can you top this? Rick was crazy too. He was, he and I were on the same wavelength. Yeah. And we go to a wrestling camp at Russ Hawks, and he, I got one for you, Wade. Here, try this one. Oh, I like that one. Yeah, I got one for you, Rick. And we, we, play, <laughs> we play, can you top this? And uh, have a lot of fun. And uh, so I showed him that one. But he, he was the first one to do it internationally where people recognize it now as a splato. But um, wow. I, uh, there's probably eight or 10 moves that I've created and named. And there's probably another 10 or 15 that I made severe changes to that don't have my name and they, people don't know that I've really made some major changes to that. They, you, it works today. Uh, the cement mixer I made up. That's, oh, that's, a, wow. that's a popular move. I made that up. I used to get it all the time when Donnie Roan, who was an NCAA champ at Clarion when I was at Clarion, then he became a, a, a nationally known high school coach uh, at Northampton high school out in the Lehigh Valley. And his team was called the concrete kids. Okay. I used to get him, on, him in the wrestling room at Clarion. I didn't have a name for it, and then he took it to, to Northampton and he called it the you know the, con, the uh, cement mixer for the concrete kids. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, he named the move, which is fine with me, and uh, he made it pretty popular with his kids. And uh, but I've you know I've done my share of getting it out there. So that lazy man cradle, Clemson roll, um, are some of the ones I made that are very popular today. Uh, and it's just, again, making substantial changes to moves that we've known for a long time. But yeah, it's been handed down since 1822. That was 62% right. You're, I, 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 added, 
I added another 30% to it. Now it's 92. Okay. Yeah. No one ever gets it to 100, but, I, you know, I, I got it up to passing, passing grade. <laughs> so I, I've had fun with the sport. The sport's had fun with me. Uh, I've had my share of wins. I've had a, my share of defeats uh, off and on here and there and uh, learned a lot. And I had one thing that, you know, I wish somebody would have coached me, and I didn't have a coach, really. I mean, for my they coached me on get me in a match on time, do the right thing, Wade. Yeah character development and all that, but the uh, technique wise, there was no one to coach me. And since I was the first one creating all this new stuff, I didn't know the limitations or the downside of this creation of stuff. Oh, And, and the downside was eventually people realized because I spent so much time on the funk and the different type, I didn't have a double leg that was really, I could double leg, but I was at the level six or seven. But when I had to wrestle, an eight, nine, or ten, a Stan Desig, a Carl Adams, someone at that level, or some of the international greats, like double leg, you know, single leg. Now, you know, I'd have, I, I was defense. I had a, I had what I called, I call myself a defensive offense. There are four styles out there. There's an offensive offense. I go out, I set it up, I take a shot at Burroughs, offensive offense, knock your ass down. There's an offensive defense. Okay. I'm faking a half shot, half shot, even though I'm doing nothing, I'm defending. I'm keeping the referee off my ass and trying to close out the match with more points. There's a defensive defense with 20 seconds to go. I'm up by three points. I'm backing up. I'm running like hell. I'm picking defense. I'm active defense. And then there's a a defensive offense. I don't shoot. You shoot. I defense by sprawling. Then I go to my offense out of that. So I was a defensive offensive wrestler. Burroughs is an offensive offensive. Interesting. And now, so what I learned over the years, as as soon as I started to retire, I went, the one matches that I struggled in, I didn't get the first takedown. I knew I was going to score 10 points no matter what, you know, because you're going to get into a flurry with me and I'm going to win. Yeah. You know, that was my strength. So go ahead, take a shot, you know, have at it. Yeah. What they got good at is they realized that if they didn't get a, if they didn't flurry with me, they couldn't lose any points. So, oh. so they would try to get that first shot in, get get a takedown, and then they'd shut down and do nothing. So then I had to go into my offensive defense, an offensive double leg, single leg, duck unders, which I didn't have at their level. Oh, I would I struggle see. to get after them because they shut down. I was expe- I always expected them just to keep on wrestling me, you know. And Burroughs, yeah, you get five double legs, but somewhere along the line, you're going to make one mistake and it's going to end. Yeah. And and I and that worked for a long time, but then the very smart ones went, okay, I've got to get the first takedown and make it good, and then do absolutely nothing. <laughs> and they didn't, and I and I was struggling, and I didn't realize that toward the end of my career. And I now in hindsight, I go, I should have you know really protected that first shot. I didn't give a shit when I got to take down or didn't get takedown because I knew I was going to end up with more points. Yeah. So sometimes I'd let them have that. I didn't let them have the first takedown. They just got a good shot and okay, fine. Then I got out and I figured they'd keep coming and I, I you know, I catch them. Yeah. So, you know, I, there was no one that knew my style yet. There was no one was at my level to say, wait, you cannot lose the first. You're going to always going to win World Olympic, everything that you wrestle. You're going to win every match but you cannot give up the first takedown. You have to defend it. You can't get in there and start trying all your squirrely stuff, hoping to get a takedown, knowing you'll get one later. Right. They shut down on you. And I didn't notice the trend until it was too late. You know, wow. that 
that I, I, I could have been more than I was had I realized that about that. But I got the benefits of the squirreliness of jumping yeah. around. Uh, but with that, there was this at one negative that I didn't see until it was too late in my career. Interesting. I mean, maybe that's why I flocked towards you too. Cause I always would have been more like the defense offense kind of player with jujitsu, wrestling, Sambo, judo. Um, and, and cause there's more, I don't know, feels like there's more predictability and go to your strength, but yeah, that makes so much sense. Cause they get one up on you and they shut down. It's, I mean, it's part of the rule set, I guess. Right. But you know, I would spend two hours on the defensive offense. You know, they spend two hours on the offensive offense. Okay. So they were better at the offensive offense than I was because I spent all my time in the, you know, the defensive offense. And, uh, and I would ultimately win, you know, when we got into, f- no one out flurried me. I right. never lost a flurry. I'd always come up on top because I spent all my time feeling where I was and, you know, how to, how to funk roll and come up and, you know, I could, I could probably cover another five hours on, on positioning, uh, on how to come out of bad positions, how to pick a bad position, a good position for you. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. I, I want to guide people towards your stuff too, because you, you're also a BGJ fanatics, scientific wrestling. You have your videos as well. Do you go on anywhere else you want people to go check you out, whether it's your website or. Well, I, I still do. I still do clinics for those oh. who have me for you know a day or so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, I, I'm a little clunky now. I, I don't wow people when I shoot a double or single. You know, I'm not click, 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 click. You know, I'm in my 70s now. You know, shit doesn't move quite as like like it used to. But my mouth still works, and I can still explain it to you. And I can make it fun. I get my little, you know, get my jokes out, and I, you know, yeah. I, I enlighten the kids when I when I start to lose them. You know, you bring them back just one joke, and they go ah. Then all of a sudden, they're paying attention again. Then you get out. So I do that. Uh, but I'd like to say I I have I just finished uh, my second book. I. I have two. I had two nonfiction books that I've had out for a while, and they've been quite popular. They call it wrestling and uh, a thousand and one trivia questions for wrestling. But I wrote a, a book of fiction uh, two years ago. It's called Jacob's Cradle, and you get it on Amazon. It's fifteen dollars, oh, and cool. and in Amazon, every person who's bought the book and put an ad or put a response or a review in the book, they're all five star. You don't get all five, five, five stars in, in Amazon in anything. No. And they're all five stars. It's about rest. It's a love story with wrestling involved. A guy working his way up for the Olympics in Sydney in 2000. He meets a young lady who's a professional fishing guide, big charter, big Marlin tuna, big fishing. She's a world renowned fishing guide and they fall in love. And, and then something happens to her and he's, He's distraught and he has to find her. And is he going to find her? Is she dead? Is she alive? He doesn't know. He has to train for the Olympics. Wow. And now he works for and while he's training, he works for the CIA. He's part of the ACC, which I made up, the Athletes Courier Corps. The CIA has 25 men and women who are world-class in their particular sports going overseas, competing, and, and they're basically couriers for the CIA. Now, you know, wow. of course they have the black bag that, you know, and, 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 uh, ambassadors, you have bags that go back and forth, and, you know, diplomatic pouches. But there's sometimes the CIA needed things to go to Russia or to Bulgaria that the ambassador has deniability over. So they give it to an athlete because when you go in, when you're an athlete, you go into Iran or any of the countries, they never check anything because you're invited in as an athlete. You go straight through customs. 
and you come straight out of customs. No one ever, even when you come back in America, you go straight through. You wear your red, white, blue outfits, and you go right through. Because <laughs> you're, you know, you're the athlete. So I made up this ACC that these athletes in the different sports go to the different countries. And Jake's, uh, Jake Charles, uh, Jacob's Cradle is part of the CIA, NCAA champ for Princeton, and he's going for the world championship of the Olympics in Sydney. Can he do it? I don't know. He has to go against the five-time world champ from the wolf from Russia and he has to defeat him. And if he can, he do it. And most people think he can. And I don't know if he did or not. We'll have to find out, read the book, but uh, it's, there's a lot of spy versus spy love affair. Oh, awesome. love affair. It's a great book. And I have uh, Hallmark has contacted me recently and they're interested in, in possibly using it to make it into a movie. Oh, so, wow. And I have the, uh, the second book in the, in the series It's going to come out this fall. Uh, oh, amazing. A continuation of Jacob's cradle. You, you can't, from chapter to chapter, you can't put it in. I'll, and I'll stop at this chapter and I'll, I'll start. I'll read some tomorrow. You get to the end of the chapter. Oh, one more. <laughs> it's really it's really hard to set it down. But anyhow, yeah, that's, that's amazing. That. So I had got my little offensive uh, defense in here for finances. You're doing clinics on the book. So, uh, <laughs> that, that's absolutely amazing. Every wrestling person should read Jacob's Cradle. And I, if I make no pe- money whatsoever, I don't care. You know, it's a book. It has wrestling in it. It's about world-class wrestling, and it's a story done in fiction, and it's fun to read, and there's nothing like that in wrestling. You don't have wrestling, something with wrestling as a base. You know, certainly not, not those movies that are out there. They're all horrible, you know. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, so for people who would like to read a little bit about wrestling and love affair and CIA, bang, bang, shoot them up and get after it, Jacob's uh, Cradle. Uh, absolutely amazing. Wade, thank you so much. And talking to an absolute legend, everybody. I, I can't recommend him enough. I've been following his stuff for a long, long time. Uh, even just having a Brazilian jiu-jitsu background, all the no-gi stuff I do as a thank you to you and as an instructor, I, one of the best on the planet. So I, I thank you so much for taking time to do the show. Well, thank you for having me. And catch you on the rebound. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Warrior's Edge podcast. For more great talks and interviews on all things martial arts, be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platforms. And if you're ever in our area, you're welcome to come in and train with us at our academy, Olympus Grappling Arts. Until the next one, keep listening and keep training.